listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Please hear the word of God from Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 47. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, give your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to the one who asks of you. And do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the goods and sends rains on, rains on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Okay, good morning everybody. Need a drink of water. I wasn't nervous um, until I see my mother-in-law. I <laughs> uh, see my sister-in-law and her husband. Then I see my sisters, my nieces and nephews. And now I got to preach uh, first time over this church. But first, before I start, I just want to say. Um, it is truly an honor to stand before you guys. Um, I was ordained when I was in prison. And I knew that God, it's the fan, it's not me. <laughs> I knew that God had called me to do um, this work, but I wasn't expecting it. And I always did my best to run from it. And then I answered the call. So. Pastor Alicia had asked me, and I originally said I didn't want to do it because I know that it's a big deal to stand before God's people. You know, it's a huge, um, I understand the gravity. Like, you can't just get up here and play with this. I don't care if it's just for one week or two weeks or even be into ministry. So I really didn't want to do it because I know that it's a big responsibility. You got to actually live the stuff that you're talking about, right? That's the thing that you got to be careful about when you begin to get closer to God or get closer to the scriptures that you have to actually, you know, live this stuff and it's not easy. As we can see in this scripture, Jesus, he brought some controversy, right? I'm quite sure the people who was in that crowd, you know, felt a certain type of way too, probably pretty much like how I feel uh, today. But um, it's an honor. Um, so I'm thankful to stand before such great people. This church has been uh, fantastic. Um, I knew that while I was in prison, I knew I had to find a church. I wanted to get involved with church. I knew that 
you know, in order to stay on the right path, you got to be connected to God. So you got to find um, a great place. And I was fortunate to have a um, great man, Pastor Dan, actually come visit us. Me and Carrie, we said that we was going to wait till I got out before we figured out what church we was going to go to. And uh, so Pastor Dan came. And um, so when I came, he came on a visit. I walked by, walked down, and I, I went and had a seat with Carrie. And I said, I thought the pastor was coming today. She said, he is. I said, I'm at the vending machine. I looked. Guy had on this ripped up California t-shirt with all these tattoos. I said, he looked like he should be in prison. He fit, he fit right in. And, but after our time of spending together, uh, four or five hours, wherever it was, it was such a blessing. I said, I knew that this was the place that I wanted to be. Um, and so I didn't even want to wait till I got out. I said, when we got out, that was the church that we was going to go to. So he was the first person I met from this church. And so I want to give honor to him for that. And then second person I met from the church was Pastor Alicia, who I gratefully and humbly um, honor because she's just a fantastic person, right? I never see her not smiling um, and just happy, and she brings a certain type of energy to me. So I'm thankful, and I honor her. She was one of the first people I met when I first was free. So when I first got out, we said that we want to document and, and you know, grab some photos of how it was, uh, you know, when I got out. And so when I got out, my sisters and everybody was standing there, um, you know, we crying, happy, you know, praising God. And I kept seeing this person, it was like these ubiquitous flashes everywhere. And I'm like, who is that lady over there? You know, smiling between the camera and, and, uh, it, and crying, and crying, um, so Pastor Alicia. So I say all that to say that I knew that I wanted to be wherever they was at because I knew that they loved God and I truly honored them and thanked them for this opportunity. Uh, but more importantly, I, I would be remiss not to mention um, my wife. First of all, I don't want to sleep on the couch tonight. <laughs> But she's been an honor, um, so it's because of her, the reason why I'm standing here um, and doing this stuff. She's done so much, and sometimes I fail to acknowledge all the hard work that she um, does for us and for our family. So I want to um, acknowledge her as well. I always like to say it's like God opened up the heavens and gave me one of his angels and said, now go do your work on earth. So I'm thankful to have her um, as a partner, too. Okay, so now I got everything out of the way. I want to say a quick prayer just to um, ask God to... Um, walk me through this too. So join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I come before you thankful and humble for this opportunity. Father, I ask that you lead me and guide me. May I decrease and you increase in me and in the words that I share with your people. I thank you for this time. I pray that everyone here receives what it is that you want them to know. May they be blessed and just receive what you says out of your word. In Jesus Christ's name I'm praying. Thank you. Amen. Good. So getting to the title, um, as I said, when Pastor Alicia asked me to preach on this um, passage, Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 5 of Matthew, um, Jesus, you know, I can imagine, if, when you read that scripture, it starts off in Matthew 5 and 1, it says that Jesus saw the crowds gather. And I'm so glad that we have a God who can actually see us when we gather. And I feel like in that crowd of people, when Jesus, because, you know, people was following him because of uh, the miracles he was doing, things that he could provide them, and things of that nature. So people kind of hovered around wherever he was gathering at anyway during his time. But Jesus, as I can picture in my mind, sat and waited for everybody to gather, pretty much like how we are 
today. And in that crowd, there were several types of people I can imagine. Um, a lot of Jewish people, obviously, right? He had a lot of his own people that was following him. He had people who probably was doubting him, who really didn't necessarily believe who he said he was. Uh, he had people that wanted to kill him, as we will find. Um, probably some Pharisees, some Sadducees, uh, some old people, and some young people probably was in that crowd. Rich, poor, men, women. He had a whole spectrum. And as we know, Jesus had always made room and love for children. So in that crowd of people who had gathered to hear him, Jesus, as I can picture in my mind, waited for everybody to uh, gather just so he could talk to them in the right moment. And in that chapter 5 of Matthew, um, in his sermon, he starts off kind of like building everybody up. Oh, and I, I forgot, so I was supposed to be acknowledging. I'm not used to using the slides, right? Oh, thank you. Look at that. In prison, you just had to go everything off the, off the cuff. So technology is something else. I almost spent two or three hours trying to get this out. I know I had to cut it down because I know we got to get out of here. But um, So the title that I want us to focus on first is Retaliation and Loving for Enemies. Now, you might think, like, how does these two, two things go together? And why would you put these two things together? So in this scripture that I want to talk about today, I also want to focus on these two key elements. Although it's a whole bunch of other things in that chapter and in the verses that I'm going to preach on, I want to focus on these two key elements because I think it's important to bring some things out, right? Um, so in slide two, um, Matthew 5 has a breakdown of what I like to use or talk about that is filled with. And the first aspect of it is Beatitudes. So we know about Beatitudes, whereas the Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those that mourn, for there shall be comfort. All those things. So we're used to hearing about the Beatitudes um, in this sermon. Um, next, he talked about esteem. Right? So Jesus made people feel good about themselves by basically telling them who they were. You're the salt of the earth. You're light. You're all these good things. Now, I like how he had actually threw in there also. I didn't come to necessarily abolish the law, but simply to fulfill it. And if I had time, I would probably break it a little bit down, whereas uh, Jesus actually fulfilled everything that we couldn't. This is why it's so important for us to stay close to him, right? We want to talk about being close to God, being blessed by God. It's because of what Jesus has done. Next, he talked about a little con um, competition. Competition is good for everything. He talked about who would be the least and the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then he got into some of the things that I like to call the nitty-gritty, right? He started breaking down. Um, things like adultery, what to do with divorce, right? how to keep an oath, all these things that, you know, um, we tend to find ourselves in. And the last but not least, the stuff I'm going to focus on today, last part of that scripture was, is the hard pill to follow, hard pill to swallow, which is the retaliation and loving your enemies. Now, the reason why I say that that's controversy, because as I said before, people in that crowd probably was expecting Jesus to, um, you know, encourage or celebrate or acknowledge what they was expecting, which was, you know, um, it's okay to have a retaliatory type mentality. It's okay to be retributive. And why I say that is because during those times, they had something called um, the Lex Talionis, if I could get slide three up. Um, and that's just Latin for the law of retribution. So the law of retribution was something that they was used to operating in. They was used to that um, retaliatory type of thing. They was used to being able to hate 
their enemies. They was used to being able to have that bloodthirst in their mouth if somebody offended them. That was okay with them. And why was that okay? Well, in slide four, you'll see that um, the law of Moses or the Torah, they had that. And that lax talionis or that talionian law said it was actually okay to have a mentality that you can repay evil for evil. Right? And so here Jesus is trying to come disrupt that and turn all that on the head. And they're probably was sitting there. The reason why I say controversy is like, Jesus, wait a minute. They hired me. They did some bad to me. They lied on me. They killed my goat. Right? Or they, you know, caused injury to somebody in my family, my loved ones. And then now you're telling me that I can't get that retribution. As I, if I could picture it as an example or analogy in my mind, it's almost like, uh, you know, I'm finally getting ready to get that retribution. Put their head in the guillotine. I want it sliced off. They did some evil to me, and it's okay for me to feel that way. I want it done. And I can picture Jesus in my mind saying, stop. Now hold up. That's not how we're going to operate anymore. Instead of that person, you giving retribution to them, instead of you wanting to kill them or wanting their blood, I'm going to encourage you to love them. It's like, what? You're expecting me to love the person who harmed me, who possibly killed somebody in my family, who possibly done me wrong, gossip, treated me wrong, stole from me, and now you want me to simply say, love them? Picture Jesus said, yeah. And not only just love them, we're going to pray for them. Controversy. It's controversy. You want me to change how... And see, the reason why that signifies controversy is because when they had the law of Moses, what makes the law of Moses different in our law is the main key element is it's divine. So Moses got that law directly from God. So God spoke these words. So in their mind, it's okay for me to have this retributive, this retaliatory type mentality. It's okay for me to want to separate myself from certain people because this is what Moses said we could do. And now Jesus, you want to come flip that on his head. How dare you? Right? And so um, the funny thing about the Italian law is that it wasn't even designed to curb violence or to make that society better, so to speak. It was just simply retributive, right? Uh, in Deuteronomy, it even clearly says that you can actually have no pity in executing um, this law. But one of the things that I want to jump to, to is the Roman history. So the reason why Jesus probably used the word enemy, right, because this sounds crazy from Jesus bringing it up. Enemy is because during that time, um, the Jewish people was under occupation. So pretty much in like 63 BC, a little um, history, 63 BC, General Pompey had actually come in and involved himself with Judea, right? And so General Pompey was a general in the Roman army. And as we know, Rome was hell-bent on conquering the world. So they will go throughout all the world, conquering people, enslaving them, imposing taxes, doing some vicious and harmful things. So right before he got to Judea, he had joined another famous general in history, General Crassus, who was a key component to the Roman army as well. And they had just got done putting out, probably around 70 um, BC, putting out the fires uh, from Spartacus. I'm quite sure some of us have heard the story about Spartacus, and they caused the uprising and things like this. And it was such a terrible thing and huge battle that other people had to come help General Crassus put out that fire or um, in that slave rebellion. And General Pompey was one of them. And so one of the things that they would do back in those days, just to give you an idea of their mind state, how terrible 
of a, of a people they were, is that um, after that rebellion, you had 6,000 people left, approximately slaves. They killed them all. They wanted to prove a point to say if anybody else rebelled or done anything bad like this again, we want to make sure that we give an example of what not to do. So what they did was crucify a lot of them, and they would leave them hanging right, for days, for weeks, let the birds pick on their dead skin, just so they could prove a point to everybody else. So this was the type of vicious mentality that General Pompey had brought to General Crassus and his, uh, his army who was um, dealing with Spartacus. So he brought those same type of practices over into Judea. Some very wicked stuff was going on, right? Killing people for no reason, imposing taxes, um, making the Jewish people betray one another, uh, forming a classism, right? You can be better than them. I'm going to hire you to impose taxes on your other people. And then some of those people will put a little tax in that so they can make some profit off of taxing and burdening their own people. So this Roman culture, this Roman influence was kind of bad for Jewish people. And so some of them in that crowd probably felt like, we want some retribution. We want something done to those people who's misusing me, right, taking advantage of me, treating me bad. And now here Jesus is saying, pray for those type of people, those evil, dastardly people. And as I said before, I can picture in my mind Jesus saying, yeah, that's what I want. That's what I expect. In his book, um, in just slide seven, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says something very powerful that I wanted to share with you guys. I got it on the screen, I gotta find my paper. He said this, oh, yeah, we can go to slide seven, sorry. A little off, that nerves. Don't never have to speak in front of your mother-in-law. <laughs> you'll have some things together. Might, next one, slide seven, one more. Thank you, I'm sorry, Morgan, I'm putting you through a headache. Um, Jesus says this, I wanna read this. Jesus releases his community from the political and legal order, from the national form of the people of Israel, and making it into what it truly is, namely the community of the faithful that is not bound by political and national ties. I thought that was very important to bring out because sometimes a lot of us, right, we bring our Christianhood into the sense of nationalism or maybe in our communities. And in all actuality, it's not right. Jesus actually is calling us to do something different, right? Even if it means standing out, right, from your country, from that sense of nationalism. And I love this country. I think this is the best country in the world, probably the best empire since the Roman Empire, right? I love it. Love the United States. Um, I wanted to be in the military uh, when I was a kid. I got several family members that are serving right now. Love this country. But at the end of the day, Jesus is calling to say, you can't put that country first. You got to put your Christian beliefs first. You gotta put first what I'm saying. And that's where I kinda struggle at. Sometimes I get lost, right? I get caught up with Fox News or MSNBC, and I begin to start thinking a certain way, and it makes me question a lot of stuff that I know is right. Jesus is saying we can't be like that anymore. So in that book, I love how he's making that call, and that's what we have to begin to think about is that being separate. Um, Romans. 12 and 2 says, be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You want to talk about being able to be separate? We'll talk about being able to love your enemies, doing things different? We got to start transforming our minds. Well, transforming our minds with what? It's the word of God. Studying, being close to him. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6 and 17 talks about come out from amongst them. Right? Some of us are so embedded with our political, national, our community, our racial, our classes, ideologies, that we're not coming from amongst them. 
and we're allowing our Christian light to be hidden or darkened by some of those beliefs. But one of the things that stood out to me is that Jesus never said not to have enemies. I thought that was crazy. I thought you were telling me to love them and pray for those person. You could have just said, hey, don't have no more enemies. It'd be a lot easier. A lot less praying I would have to do. <laughs> but, right? But he didn't do that. So to me, everybody is going to have enemies sometime. So enemies probably ain't necessarily a bad thing. In slide eight, I got a definition of what enemies actually is. And I'll read it right quick just to make sure we can see it. Enemy is a person who is actively opposed or hostile to someone or something, a hostile nation or its armed forces or citizens, especially in a time of war, a thing that harms or weakens someone else, something else. One, of, one that is antagonistic to another, especially one seeking to injure, overthrow, or confound an opponent. Anybody know anybody like that? Hateful person, passively odious, actively hostile, usually adversary. We got enemies. We got enemies. Some of them might even be sitting in this crowd today. We got enemies, people who may have been hostile to us, people who, you know, it's not necessarily your words or behavior. Sometimes just your look. Got a hostile look. Wow, why we got to be enemies? But Jesus is telling us to do something great today, which is to begin to love them and to begin to step outside of our norms, begin to step outside of what our communities, our parents, our family members may have raised us to be. We have to be more like children of God. In that scripture, Jesus talked about the more we do this, the more we'll be a children of God when we can actually perform these things, right? So, in fact, we all were once enemies to God. Oh, yeah, enemy of God. Romans 5 and 10 said that we were first and once enemies. It wasn't until Jesus died for our sins and was resurrected that we began and got reconciled back to God. So we were once even enemies to God. So why can't we look differently and be, and be different when it comes to being an enemy? I know a little something about being an enemy or having an enemy. Um, in 2015, my son um, was shot nine times. Right, point blank range, once in the head. He ended up being in the hospital for six months. He was in a coma for 30 days. They had to remove part of his skull so that the doctors could work on his brain and kind of relieve the swelling. The person who assaulted my son was actually not even seeking my son, but seeking somebody else, his cousin, whole crazy story that I got. But my son is six foot four, so obviously he's gonna stand out in any crowd, right? It's easy to make him a target. Um, he was actually home, or to give you a little bit more context, he was actually home from college, a summer break, and hanging out with some people that I would call probably unsavory, right, deplorable, if I'm being honest, or how my feelings was. Um, hanging out with people that you probably shouldn't have. And so when my son was shot and put in the hospital, right, now I have an enemy. The person who assaulted my son, tried to take my son off this earth. To this day, my son is still partially paralyzed on his left side. Uh, bullet fragments still in his brain, right? Talk about having an enemy. And then now Jesus is saying, you got to love these people. This is why I say be careful about the closer you get to God because you're going to, a whole bunch of paradigms is going to be changing, right? You're going to see some new things. You're going to have to do things that you probably necessarily didn't think that you would have to. It's about love, loving your enemies. So how in the heck can I love the person who shot my son? How? Well, I was dealing with a whole different aspect because for me, I also um, was seeking grace. 
I would like to be forgiven for a lot of things that I've done. Now, obviously, nobody in this crowd has probably messed up to the magnitude that I have, right? He was in prison for second degree murder. So I know the type of pain and harm that I may have caused or inflicted upon somebody else. So here I am seeking forgiveness. But then when that same thing comes back to me, now I have to give the same forgiveness that I was seeking. So for me, my dynamic is a little bit different, okay? Um, but one of the things that still helped me to get through that is um, God. There's no other way. When the minister of the facility came to me and he told me that my son had been shot, I had prayed, asked God to comfort him, keep him, I, was, I had a peace. I can't even to this day articulate it properly, but I had a peace. I knew he was going to be all right. So uh, the minister, the pastor of the, church, of, the, of, the, of the prison, is like, man, what the heck is wrong with you? I'm sitting here bawling. You're not even crying. And I was like, well, my whole thing is I believe he's going to be okay. I believe God is going to do right by him. And without even knowing what I was saying, what I was saying, I said, I'm going to pray for the person who even done that to him as well. And it wasn't me that wanted that because my flesh didn't want that. It's bloodthirsty. I wanted revenge. But I knew that in faith I had to do what God had asked us to do because I had read the scripture before. Right. And I pray that nobody in here ever experiences anything like that or be in that type of position. Right. But you may be in a position where you're going to come across somebody that you may not like. This might make me offend you, may lie upon you, may steal from you, misuse you, abuse you. And the key thing that I'm going to encourage you to do today is to do what God had told me to do, which is still to love them and forgive them. I'm not saying be stupid and be an enabler. Right. And continue to let people to offend you and do you wrong or harm. But I am saying we have to have that godly love. And sometimes you're going to do it in faith because your flesh is not going to want to do it. But I challenge you today to actually take time out to pray for those that you may not like. Pray for those who have a different disposition than you. Pray for those that have a different political, socioeconomic standing than you do. Pray for those that's not only in this country but throughout the world. Right? We have a lot of enemies, and in our society, they encourage us kind of to have enemies. There's something that stood out to me that I wanted to share with you that the brother wrote about enemies. Okay? Hope I can find it. And it was powerful, and I want to share it with you. Maybe I don't have it, but it's okay. And one of the things that they wanted to get across is enemies throughout this world. And it's important for us to say, okay, I don't care how you look. I don't care where you're from. I don't care how you were raised. I don't care how I was raised. I'm going to do the right thing that God caused me to do. And that's what I'm going to encourage all you guys today to do, is to do that. One of the things that helped me that I am going to share is a prayer. Because oftentimes I try to say, how do we find the strength to get to that, get to that point and place of how can I pray for somebody who have done me wrong? Well, in slide, um, slide nine, slide nine, um, there's a prayer that Paul wrote and gave. I'm gonna share with you out of Ephesians. Um, Ephesians, the third chapter, 14 verse, and it's asking for prayer in our inner strength. And I'm gonna say that for everybody today. For this reason, Paul said, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted 
and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do it immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I pray that you all strengthen in your inner man, but more importantly that you grasp this new paradigm of the scriptures. It's easy to love and to pray for those that love you and know you. Now let us begin to pray for those that we may despise or that we don't know. We must be in accord with what Jesus wants. The time is now, as God, through Moses, did not give the Torah in Egypt, but waited until the Israelites were deep in the wilderness. So here, Jesus waited. In Matthew's narrative, we observe that Jesus waited for crowds to gather around what he was doing before he set out his moral vision. When Jesus saw the crowds, Matthew 5 and 1 says, his disciples came to him, verse 2. Then he began to speak and talk to them. He's teaching us today. We can come to him. We can be taught and ultimately learn how to love our enemies and be in line with what God wants. There is nothing that shows the world what God is like more than clearly than when we love our enemies. And in closing, I'll close with a biblical scholar that I fell in love with after Pastor Alicia gave me a book. It's slide 10 from Scott McKnight. And he says this, wisdom then is how to live in God's world and God's way. But this kind of wisdom can only be acquired by those who are humbly receptive to the wisdom of society's sages. And that's what I'm encouraged all of us to do today. Take time out to spend time praying for others people that you don't know, people that don't look like you, people who may not be in the same class as you, people that despise you, people that persecute you, people that hate you, people that don't show love, people that abuse you, people that mistreat you, people that mistreat other people, people who don't even care about you. You need to take time to pray for them people and love them, love them with the love of God. And it may not be easy, your flesh may not wanna do it, but you can do it in faith as I always say. Thank you and God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at Brockport FB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.